0: Good morning, welcome to another episode of Hard File Radio. This is the show that values time. I value mine. You should value yours. So let's get started. Hypocrite. Hypocrite is the word of the day. James Harden is a hypocrite. James Harden came out yesterday and called Daryl Morey a liar and said he didn't want to be a part of any organization that Daryl Morey was a part of. It's called being a hypocrite. James Harden is a liar who called somebody else a liar. I won't even say if Daryl Morey is a liar or not. No one really knows the conversations they had besides the two of them and probably an agent. But when you are James Harden and you make promises to the Houston Rockets that you bail out on, you make a promise to the Brooklyn Nets that you bail out on, and then you make a promise to the Philadelphia 76ers that you then bail out on. That's called being a liar. The same thing that you accuse Daryl Morey of. I'm not here to say if Daryl is a liar or not. Once again, no one's gonna really know their conversations. But I know for a fact, James Harden is a liar. If it walks like a duck, it talks like a duck. Must be a duck. James Harden was unhappy with the situation in Houston, Said, I'll report to camp. Came in, alleged fat suit, out of shape, not trying, no effort, traded eight, nine games into the season. Goes to Brooklyn. Tells Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, this is where I want to be. I will end my career here. These are the guys I want to play with. Less than, not even a full year later, he's gone. Didn't even make it to the end of the following regular season. Philly. He gets to play with the MVP of the league. That's the really mind-boggling thing about this. Is not only is James Harden a liar. Not only has James Harden lied multiple occasions. He's lying with some really top-tier people. This is not. LeBron feeling like he's drowning in Cleveland with no real talent. This is not. Anthony Davis feeling like he can't win with what New Orleans is presenting him. This isn't even Damian Lillard feeling like after 10-plus years in Portland, it's finally time to move on. James Harden, when it's all said and done, and I understand there was context to this, is going to have played with some of the most Hall of Famers a player has ever played with. Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook again. Joel Embiid is most likely going to be a Hall of Famer. Kevin Durant again. Kyrie Irving, who's most likely going to be a Hall of Famer, controversy aside. And yet he comes out and calls Daryl Mori a liar. James Harden has issues. I've never been a super big James Harden fan, and the pushback has always been, well, look at the production. Look at the numbers he's putting up. I've said for years, stats and production don't make the player. Stats specifically. James Harden is a little off. He's not a true leader of a team. I don't care how many 40-point games he has. Daryl Morey is a guy who said, James Harden changed my life. And when he left from Houston to Philadelphia, took out a whole page of a newspaper to say how highly he thought of him. So clearly at one point, James Harden didn't think he was a liar. James Harden is not great enough to do the shit he does, especially at this point in his career. I've said this with Dame. Damian Lillard is not Kevin Durant. Damian Lillard is not Anthony Davis trying to get out of New Orleans. Damian Lillard is not Carmelo Anthony trying to force his way out of Denver. That's another level of player. And James Harden, especially at this point in his career, is not that level of player. And what's worse than being a liar... And what's worse than being potentially the greatest quitter in the history of team sports is he's clueless, truly, truly clueless. James Harden is upset because Daryl Morey said he could have a max contract at the beginning of last year or during last offseason. That was supposedly the rumor that Daryl Morey was going to offer him a max contract. Well, guess what? When your boss tells you, hey, you're going to get a raise, hey, we're going to pay you this, it comes with expectations in meeting performance. Guess what James Harden doesn't do anymore? He does not meet the criteria or deliver the performance of a max contract NBA player. Texted multiple friends, multiple people whose opinions I genuinely trust on basketball. Not one person was like, yeah, James is still a max player. Do you know how hard it is to not even have like a fan or two? And I got people that are big, big James Harden's fans that I know. And not one of them was like, yeah, James is obviously still a max player. And this is with everybody getting paid. But look at all the guys who even just recently got max contracts. De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Sabonis. These are all guys who at this point in their career are better than James Harden. James Harden, who, yes, he will end up in the Hall of Fame. But that's because of the totality of his career, not for who he is currently. And when people talk about his legacy, quitting is now a part of his legacy. Being a liar is now a part of his legacy. Being a hypocrite is now a part of his legacy. You don't like this situation? Leave. Leave. Houston Rockets didn't like him. They had multiple 60-win seasons, a de- almost a seven, seven, eight years of consistent success, six, seven years of consistent success. The Nets, where he got to pick and get with KD and Kyrie, was gone, not even a full season. Didn't even make it to the end of the following regular season. And then a year he got to play into Philly with an MVP, and none of that was good enough. This is why when you guys bring up these horrible and horrific arguments about James Harden is as good as D. Wade or greater than D. Wade, he's not even close. D. Wade with an older Shaq, the last, you could say the last, not even great year Shaq, but the last good year Shaq, dominated in NBA Finals at 24 years old. James Harden is a part of, oh, from what, 30-something from three? Quit on three teams in four years. D-Wade is a three-time champion. Harden's quit on three teams. They're not even close. They're not even comparable. They're not in the same stratosphere. I keep seeing on Twitter yesterday, and I mean, and James, you know, he has a fan base. People on Twitter, they love James Harden. He's revolutionary. He changed the game. Why? Because of some step back that he decides to take nine to ten times a game? Which in reality, all it's done is is be the laziest basketball move in existence. Not saying he hasn't had success with it, but it is the laziest move in basketball history. I don't want to attempt to drive by my guy. I don't want to attempt to make a move to get separation. No, I'm just going to do a step back that everybody knows is coming and shoot the ball. Well, he's top five all-time in three-pointers. Do you see how many he takes? Do you see the era that he plays in? He's not Steph Curry. He's not Klay Thompson. He's not even Reggie Miller. He's not Ray Allen. James Harden is a stat page that looks really nice. But that stat page comes along with being a liar, a hypocrite, and a quitter. That's who James Harden is. The word of the day is hypocrite. Like I said, Daryl Morey could be a liar. Daryl Morey might might have lied to him. But if you're going to tell me lying is bad, don't turn around and lie to my face. And James Harden is on a five-year run of lying. And he's no longer, even at his peak, at his peak you could justify him as a liar. He no longer justifies as a liar. He's no longer good enough. That's his reality. Man, we got a lot to talk about. It's a Team Tuesday. I had to really just I had to start there with the James Harden talking points though, because it's just insane to me to think like a guy who and I've never I've never liked the James Harden like all time conversation. I think he's been thrusted into conversations he has no business being a part of. I think he has been elevated to a spot that he's never truly justifiably been in. Um Yes, he's going to have amazing statistics. He is the greatest, greatest Mike D'Antoni product ever. But there's a difference. He's a great Mike D'Antoni product. And the way he plays, when he plays like that specifically, is the only time that he has quote-unquote value. And that value is not the same as other great players that he gets compared to all the time. I'm even give you an example. The Phoenix Suns are going to retire Amari Stoudemire and Sean Marion's number this upcoming season. Amari Stoudemire was a really good player, had some great years, arguably his best year in New York where he went for, uh, I think he was averaging 25 and 10 before Melo came. That's not that's not an all-time retire-his-number player. Stoudemire was great. Stoudemire was a lot of fun to watch, seven seconds or less. But Steve Nash was clearly the best player on that team. Steve Nash was clearly the guy that made that work. A guy like Sean Marion, too, likes Sean Marion a lot. That's not a, that's not a <coughs> excuse me, that's not a retire his number. That's not an all-time guy. But when you're Phoenix, the standards are lower. I, I, I root for a franchise that has lower standards. It happens. But don't be clueless about it understand what you're saying understand who you're talking about and james harden is gonna look amazing in the stats in the record books but no titles quit multiple teams walks like a duck talks like a duck well motherfucker he's a duck he puts up a lot of shots so he makes a lot of shots he's never been super efficient and he is For the people in the, oh, well, he's influential, to what? Kids that can't actually make a basketball move, so they try to draw fouls or do a step back? Like, the way they were talking about him on Twitter yesterday, they acted like he was Steph Curry. Steph has revolutionized the game in terms of the three-point shot. Steph has revolutionized the game in terms of his handle. James Harden, Kyrie Irving, yes, some great statistics for both of them. They're not... Game change is not revolutionary. Like, we just throw that word around for everybody. D-Wade just got into the Hall of Fame. He talked about it. AI is in a different space in basketball history because he was truly revolutionary. He truly changed not only the dynamics of the game, but the culture of the game and the way people saw not only the game itself, but players. AI was the culture. AI was revolutionary. James Harden was not. And if you want an all-time list, I'm taking AI over James Harden every day, including Sunday. He's just a better player. James Harden is a volume machine that is going to end up with a lot of stats and a lot of records. But he's not an all-time great. And I'm not talking about the all-time great. Like, yes, anybody who makes the NBA is one of the greatest players to ever play, even if they're just okay at the NBA level. But if you're talking about amongst his peers, and his peers being other guys who have made the NBA, other guys who have made first team, other guys who have won MVPs, Harden's not there. Harden is arguably the worst player to ever win an MVP when it's all said and done. And I know that sounds asinine. And I know we don't like a certain guy who won MVP. Trust me, I don't like him either. But he's a better player than Harden. He's a creep. He's a weirdo, wish he wouldn't be around the league, but he's a better player than Harden. So let's stop putting James Harden in conversations he doesn't belong. Let's start acknowledging James Harden for what he is. Oh man, what a Tuesday. Um, So it's team Tuesday, so you know we got to talk about the Broncos here really quick. Sean Payton, and I'm going to be on record for this, Sean Payton will fix the Denver Broncos. I don't know if he'll fix Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, like most great athletes, confidence is a huge, huge factor in the way that they play and the way they conduct themselves on a day-to-day basis. He might not be there anymore. Russ just might not be Able to deliver the way he used to. That's fine. Does it suck as a fan because you paid all these draft picks for him? You had this huge trade and you got excitement? Yeah. But the way Sean Sean Payton is building a Russell Wilson proof team game plan offense and organization. He might not be able to fix Russ. He's obviously gonna back Russ up. He is obviously going to defend Russ because that is still his starting quarterback. But there's a chance he just might not ever be able to fix him. And so if he can't fix him, he has to do everything in his power to make sure his run game is good with Javante Williams, improved offensive line, which I know they didn't look great against Arizona. It's not a big deal. I don't think that one preseason game means that the additions of McGlinchey and Powers were null and void. Uh, They not a great showing but i don't think it's the end of the world the but sean Payne is making a russell wilson proof team offense etc cetera, etc cetera. and i know Bronco fans don't want to hear that i don't want to hear that i hope russ has success because he's obviously the quarterback this year and seasons where seasons that in football especially that don't go well they are just draining on a fan base And when you have multiple of these seasons, they're especially draining on a fan base. Denver's had a lot of these seasons back to back to back to back to back. Wow, I just depressed myself. <sighs> so we have to – man, that's really depressing. Seven straight seasons, I mean, you don't do anything. It's you know, it's a little depressing. Um, but with that said, Sean Payne is going to fix this team. It is 100% a no-nonsense, no-bullshit attitude. These are the rules, and you either get in line with the program or get out. And you can do that from a much more justified position when Sean Payton has clear success that he can validate Super Bowls, a, a Super Bowl, multiple top five offenses, Drew Brees as the poster boy for what he can do with an offense. Like, They he has credentials. He is a legitimate Hall of Fame head coach. If he wanted to actually officially retire, he would be in the Hall of Fame in five years. Denver's coming off of these, like I said, seven straight horrible seasons. So he has all the power right now. There's nobody that can look at him and go, oh, I know what I'm doing better than you do. There's maybe only one player on the roster who we could arguably not question, that's Patrick Sertan. And Sertan's a defense guy. Peyton deals most with the offense. So But Sertan is the only true, true, true standout, like all pro level player currently that Denver has that has shown all pro level play. But if Peyton feels like he can fix the offensive line, which I think is absolutely possible, especially with the free agent acquisitions. If he feels like he can fix Jerry Judy and get Cortland Sutton back to 2019, which I think is absolutely possible. If he feels like with this defense, this running game, Javante Williams coming back, even though it's off an injury, feels like Javante Williams can get back to where he was. All of these things are plausible. All of these things are very possible. And that's how he wants to build his game plan going forward because, Russ, it's going to be either get in with everybody else or get out. And when you have the richest donors in sports history, it's really easy to tell even your $200 million quarterback, whose contract doesn't even start for another year, it's really easy to tell him get out. And if Russ bombs this year, Peyton's even more in a good spot because they can eat that contract. And let's say Denver finishes horrible again right let's say just somehow denver goes three four win season right i don't foresee that being the case but let's say three four win season have you seen the quarterbacks that come out next year if denver's got a top five to ten pick there's a lot this is one of the most now probably not gonna get caleb williams i think that's kind of slotted for arizona they're most likely gonna be the worst team in the league but drake may and several others this is a stacked quarterback class Sean Payton is going to get his guy if Russell Wilson can't be his guy. And the best way to eat that huge Russell Wilson contract is you have a rookie QB who you pay nothing. It's true. So if Russell can't get in line, if Russell can't get this figured out, because they're not getting rid of Sean Payton. They just signed him. And the Waltons are going to want almost immediate success, and they're going to demand almost immediate success and Sean and them probably had a conversation prior to signing on where it's like, I'm going to do what I can to fix this guy, and if he can't be fixed or he can't get in line, boom, he's out. This is going to be very much no-nonsense, not quite in, but New England 2.0 essentially. It's going to be no-nonsense, no bullshit. Get in or get out. And, Russ, you can't figure it out, then get out. So Sean will fix the Denver Broncos. I just don't know if he'll fix Russell Wilson. I hope he does. It's a lot of money to pay to a guy. It's He brought a lot of excitement. I still remember the day he got traded for. It was really fun. It was really exciting. All that stuff is still very true to this day. But, Russ, you got to figure it out. I also want to stay on football. I want to discuss the Kansas City Chiefs really quick, the top 100 list. And now that I've had some time to like really soak it in, now that I've had some time to really soak it in, we're gonna wait until tomorrow. Yeah, we're gonna wait until tomorrow. But I, but I have some. There's some very much some stuff we got to talk about the Chiefs in this top 100 list. And yeah, it's just all, all fucked up, and nobody knows how to vote. And the players should be held accountable is not the right word, but we gotta really, we gotta really dress the way players, quote unquote, vote for their favorite players or their favorite teams etc etc um excuse me sorry i keep burping guys i'm so sorry man this james harden story is just crazy to me um I don't like making a whole lot of or a big deal about the preseason. And I've come on here year after year after year and said the preseason don't mean shit. The preseason don't really matter. And we're so fickle as fans and as analysts and as media that when it comes to the preseason, we just do whatever we've seen work last. The Rams won a Super Bowl played nobody in the preseason. It was perfect. The literal dynasty before that, the New England Patriots, they did play guys in the preseason, and it was that was the right way to do it. So you go off of whatever the last thing that we saw worked. So I saw people come out the gate the last couple of days, and everything from, like, Justin Fields was getting broken down to, well, has he really improved? He can't throw past the line of scrimmage because of two passes in a preseason game? Okay. Tell me how that makes sense. I understand that we live in a world full of crackheads, and there's a lot of you guys now that go and bet on preseason football. Please seek help. For real, please seek help if you are betting on preseason football. And if you're basing your opinion on Justin Fields this year, like going into the year as, well, he can't throw the ball downfield anymore, or he's only, you know, he's throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage and he's getting all these yak yards, so it wasn't really that good. It's preseason. If anything, it's just better to have him throw short because, you know, he's going to run during the season and put himself at risk more. So he's likely he is a more likely target for injury. So, yeah, why would you break out, quote unquote, all the new stuff? Do you think coaches are coming out of training camp and saying we're going to use the best play we figured out during the offseason and we're going to use it in preseason week one? No, no, no. It's preseason. And I understand, like I understand, even with Denver, is people were going like, oh, well, they played the offense four drives. That means they don't trust them and they're really, you know, they're really behind. No, Sean Payton is just being a hard ass because he knows and he's already publicly made the statement, has to stand on it of it was a really bad culture last year. I want to fix it. So we're going to do everything the opposite. So he had to sit there and go, this is how I force it. We're not getting out of the preseason. You're not getting out of the game until you score a touchdown. Wilson finds Judy, touchdown, boom. That's all teams want to see. They want to see a few plays work correctly the way they, do, they they want them to, and stylistically things that you're going to see, like, yes, the Bears probably have more quick passes, quick outlet, swing passes, play action, quick slants that they're going to do this year versus having Justin Fields try to chuck it downfield. But that doesn't mean they gave away the sauce and the game plan and everything they're planning on doing this year in their first preseason game. You're nuts if you think that. But once again, you're nuts if you're betting on preseason fantasy football. To I imagine you guys are the same people. If you're betting on preseason fantasy football, you're also probably the guy who thinks Justin Fields, this is going to be him during the regular season. Or this is the way that because Denver was out there for four series, that's a reflection. Or... The way CJ Stroud threw an interception, that's a reflection of him, even though it was four passes. If y'all get judged off, if you can judge a quarterback off of four passes, there's a lot of guys who ain't making it out this league. And a lot of guys who aren't making it in the league. A lot of Hall of Famers, if you judge them off four passes, they're not who you think they are. Like the NFL preseason, it matters, but it doesn't. You want to see guys go in there. It's you want to see them do a couple of things, honestly, get hit once or twice. So their body gets used to it again, because there's just nothing like getting actually hit by another human being. No amount of weight training or cardio or exercise can replicate that feeling of another human being running into you. And after that, get out the game and get in, and just make sure you're healthy. Like teams, even week three was forever the week that everybody played a majority of the game. Right, like it used to be. Week three starters would play like the first half, and a series of two going into the third quarter. Now, whether teams still do certain teams, and they have each have their own game plan, what they like to do, even if they do that now, and even when they did that before, they weren't giving away their offensive, their best plays, or the things they were trying to run consistently during the regular season. Lamar Jackson, the Ravens have won, and the Ravens had won. Twenty plus preseason games. At no point in the preseason is Lamar Jackson doing a play action run up the middle. They're not risking it in a preseason game. So how do you have any validation on what the Ravens plan game plan, what they want to do, any of that stuff is off a preseason game. You don't. You can't. It's impossible. You know why? Because they don't matter like you think they matter. It is a borderline meaningless game. We need to understand that. And the last football thing I want to get into here uh, before we head out. The San Francisco 49ers. I do think this is a real story. Um, It's very odd to me. But I do think it's a real story. Last thing before we get out of here. The 49ers do have an odd situation on their hands. The 49ers have essentially decided that. You know. Trey Lance isn't going to be the quarterback. And. This is the difference in how we perceive great teams versus bad teams, and it's all based on how they actually play out. If a bad team traded three first-round picks for a quarterback that they weren't going to play, they would just eviscerate them. The media would just eviscerate them and say, this is why they're dysfunctional, this is why they're not good. But John Lynch does it because the 49ers had success on the field. We all look at it kind of weird, but we're not killing them for it. Because he's got other hits like Warner, Bosa, um, Kittle that they've drafted. And so we're like, okay, yeah, Trey Lance, even if it doesn't work out, if Brock Purdy ends up being the starter, we're not going to kill him. But why not? Like, the standard of success shouldn't change. We have another hypocritical situation in the NFL. Why is Mike Tomlin not getting the same heat that Bill Belichick's getting? bill belichick has six super bowl rings and just because they don't have the same level of success the three years post brady it's oh could bill be fired oh could bill be dismissed um is bill not even gonna break the all-time record for coaching wins like what we're gonna get a little more than that tomorrow but it just like the the hypocrisy of fans essentially is what we're going at and it needs to be stated uh, with the 49ers what they're doing is – do I think it's unfair to Trey Lance? No, because you signed up to play professional sports. You signed up to be in a job that literally has competition and a job that you can theoretically lose to the next guy tomorrow. That's how all professional sports have worked, will continue to work, will always work, etc., etc. That's what they do. That's why you get paid all this money because it is a do-or-die business – Whatever is going to happen the next day is going to happen the next day. And the only thing you control is your performance on the field and your performance off the field in terms of your health. And I don't have, not to sound cruel, but I don't have pity for guys that get hurt and lose their job. You know that's a part of the business before you ever get into it. And just nobody, people just don't like it when it's directly involving them. But they have no issue if it were to be somebody else. And that's the truth. Let's, you know, we always like to pick and choose our geniuses but let's be clear here this is a miss by the 49ers and this is how teams don't have the long long continued success um like the 49ers want to have you start missing on picks you start missing on picks that you traded additional picks for the Niners are scary talented right now and you know maybe there's some long game to this maybe they see really wanted to miss on Trey Lance because they know they have to pay Bosa they know they have to our kid already got paid. Samuel already got paid. They know if Brock Purdy works out, they're to have to pay him. So, you know, maybe they just didn't want Trey Lance to work. And they didn't want to have a bunch of first-round picks that so they'd have to pay because Warner's got to be paid, all these other guys. You know, maybe that's truly the genius of them. But when we're discussing geniuses and we're discussing guys who supposedly have this figured out on a level that the rest of us don't, um, let's be careful who we elevate to genius status because everybody makes mistakes, including the 49ers. Still a great franchise, still a great football team, but everybody makes mistakes. Appreciate everybody for listening. This is Hard Foul Radio. This is the show that values time. Hope you've enjoyed this 30-minute breakdown for today, and I will see you guys tomorrow.